And that lets you save the Look here. True form life. Green look on Welcome to Exploring Mind and Body with Drew Tadia. Drew is an expert in nutrition, fitness, lifestyle, and more. And he wants to help you live a healthier, longer, and more active life. Now here's your host, Drew Tadia. Welcome to Exploring Mind and Body, and thank you so much for being here. I always appreciate your time and efforts to see what we have going on and being a part of our True Form Life community. Without you, we certainly wouldn't be here, so thanks for tuning in. Thanks for checking out the show. Now, today I'm bringing on Charles Myron, and he is one of those guys that you're like, he's, I mean, in short, he's a maniac. <laughs> he's one of those guys that you look at him like, how could he possibly do that? Now, Charles pushes his his mind, his body to the absolute limit. He's an ultra marathon runner. He's done triathlons. He actually won Iceland's Fire and Ice 250 kilometer grueling race. He's going to talk about how he competed in the Sahara Desert at temperatures most of us would struggle to handle, even laying around a pool. <laughs> Charles is also a lifestyle and performance coach at Solo Sports Systems. So we got all kinds of details coming up. We've got all that coming up. Uh... This is Exploring Mind and Body. Naturally improve your lifestyle one show at a time with your host, Drew Tadia. All right, welcome to another edition of Exploring Mind and Body. You heard all about Charles in the introduction, so without further ado, welcome to the show, Charles. Hi, Drew. How are you? Fantastic. Thanks so much for being here with us. I'm excited to, to hear your stories and, and learn more about what you're doing and, and maybe probably share a whole lot of inspiration and motivation with our audience here. Well, it's my pleasure to be with you. I, uh, I'm excited to be with you as well. Charles, tell us, give our audience here a chance to resonate with you a bit. Tell our audience who you are, what you do, and... And I guess we'll get into more of our topics of, of, of in question here. <laughs> so uh, I, I run a small business here in Calgary. Uh, I'm a, I qualify myself as an endurance coach. And so I work with athletes who run everything from five-kilometer races all the way to ultra-marathons, even multi-day uh, ultra-marathons, uh, triathletes as well. So everything from you know the beginner triathlete all the way to the Ironman. I've got a few ultra-Ironman athletes as well. And uh, I've been doing it for the last eight years. The business is called uh, Solo Sports Systems. And um, my, my original passion and background is really in running. Um, and uh, I've been helping runners in the Calgary area to perfect their running form, um, their performance on races, uh, and, and just their overall enjoyment of, of, of the sport uh, for the last uh, seven years or so. And tell me about your background. I know you've done some crazy things that we're going to get into. <laughs> what, tell us about your maybe your journey up towards endurance running. What, where did that come from and why did you decide that <laughs> some of these races were a good idea? Yeah, so, so it's, it's very interesting. You know, I, I started out this endurance journey, you know, on a bike. And, um, and, and so leaving the, I always tell this story, you know, when, when I was told that I wasn't going to be the next Wayne Gretzky, I left the hockey world and and, uh, you know, I needed something to sort of get my competitive uh, side of me out. And so I got into endurance mountain biking and I did races like the the, uh, the Trans Rockies, the 24 hours, those types of things. And I, I really got sick and tired of dealing with with mechanicals, you know, the flat tires and changing the chain and the mud and this and that. And then one day it hit me. Actually, it was, you know, on the last day of a big race that I did and it hit me. 
you know, I could just be running the same trails that I'm biking right now. It makes no sense, you know, to be dealing with this 25 pound bike and, you know, all the gear and all that stuff. So, uh, literally, uh, the next year I thought, you know, this is it. I'm, I'm, I'm getting into ultra running. And, uh, that was 2005. And, uh, I did my first ultra marathon. So, they, they qualify an ultra marathon that's with anything that's above a marathon distance. So that 50 kilometer range, I did the uh, great Canadian death race in Grand Cache, Alberta in 2006. And I was hooked. I did, uh, for the fall in the last, you know, 15, 20 years, I've done over 30 of these ultra marathons. Um, and, uh, it's, uh, there's something about, you know, the, the, the connection between the trail, the athlete, and just being out there solo by yourself. It's, uh, it's hooked me in and, um, I haven't looked back since. And what, I know you've done some other big runs. You've done runs around the world. Tell me you got a Sahara one. We're going to talk about the fire and ice run. Just give us a brief overview of those. Yeah. So, um, when I was, when I was about nine years old or 10 years old, I, I saw it, you know, one of those ABCs, World Wildest Sport documentary, those Saturday afternoon things about um, this race called the Marathon des Sables, the Sand Marathon in the Sahara in Africa. And I saw these crazy guys, you know, with their packs on, the, you know, on their back and the crazy hats and the sweat and the heat and the, and the camels and all that stuff. And I thought, oh, man, that looks, you know, it, it made a huge impression on me. And um, in 2012, it sort of came together qu quite quickly, but I was able to get a spot in the 2013 race uh, in the Marathon des Sables in the Sahara. And uh, yeah, I, I got there and, you know, I, I, being a pretty competitive guy, I thought I would go and, and show those, you know, show the, the, the world what, you know, what this kid from Calgary could do. And I was very humbled and, and, and I was um, <laughs> put down quite, quite a bit by the heat and the sand and, and the overwhelming experience. And Although it was an amazing experience, I was, as a competitive runner, I was I was very humbled coming home, and um, and so I came home and and I knew that I would go back one day, and I knew that I was you know my my, my days as a multi-day ultra runner wasn't over, but I needed a new challenge, and it took me a year to finally find you know the the, the new challenge, and and that was the fire and ice race in Iceland. And how long is this fire and ice race? So 250 kilometers uh, over six days. <laughs> All right. So when you tell the average person that, I'd, I'd imagine that you understand that most of us think that's insane. Yeah, absolutely. And I'll be honest. Like you know, it's 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 it is insane. And and you know what? So to to, to add to the insanity, let me tell you this. So in order to complete the race, you have to carry on your back uh, all your food all your sleeping arrangements and all your water, although the water is resupplied every day, but you have to carry your water for the day. So on your back, you carry everything you need for seven days. It is a self-supported uh, race for those six days. And is that different from other types of races? Like, you do, Or you don't have to carry it, carry water and other? Well, yeah. So, so, so these multi, you know, this multi-day, uh, multi-stage racing is, is something that, you know, is quite unique because most of them have this sort of similar rule where you have to carry food, sleeping arrangements on your back. So you're self-sufficient. Compare that to an ultra marathon or, for example, if you look at the Sinister Seven in Blairmore, Alberta or the, the, the Death Race in Grand Cache, those are races where although you do have aid stations, you can resupply. And obviously you're not out there for six days. You're there for 24, maybe 30 hours. And so you, 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 you don't have to carry that much gear. But for these races, you need 
to be able to carry, you know, your, your like I said, your food, your emergency shelter, a flare. Um, in the Sahara, I mean, this again, this is, a, you know, not, not wanting to share too much information, but you have to carry your own bathroom supplies. And so the, it's quite funny, you get in, you know, you do this medical check and you do all the, the checks and so on. And then you're given uh, seven brown little plastic bags, kind of, you know, the doggy da- bags that you would see, you know, for the people from the dog walk. And they say, you know, there's your bags. And, and if you're like me, who's a pretty healthy guy, uh, I had to bargain, you know, barter to, to get more bags because I ran out of bags pretty quickly. <laughs> Tell me what it's like. You're running for hours and hours, days on end. Tell me what this is like. What's this experience like? Share with our audience. Oh, so I tell my athletes all the time, you know, even from the, like I said, the, the 5K or to the ultra marathoner, I try to, to, uh, to, to put in their brains. I try to tell them all the time, it's 90% mental and 10% mental. And I've never, you know, had to use that more than in the Sahara where, there were days where we're dealing with heat around that 55 degrees uh, degrees Celsius. Um, your your this the sand absolutely gets everywhere, and and you're dealing with um, blisters, infection, sores. They have a you know here in Alberta we have this thing called windshield. So it could be you know 10 degrees outside and you're getting a windshield of minus 25. Over there they have reflected heat. So if it's 45 degrees Celsius. Uh, with the reflected heat in the sand dunes, it could be 55, 65 degrees Celsius. So we get warning every day, you know, don't hang around in the sand dunes because you will bake. And so, you know, you're, 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 you're giving about seven to eight liters of water a day, uh, but it's nowhere near enough. And so you're dehydrated all the time. So mentally, you're, you're always dealing with these little, you know, like it's, it could be as small as a, you know, even just a little bit of sand in the, on the side of your sunglasses that's just rubbing. And normally you could ignore it and, you know, sort of go on with your day. But because everything is multiplied, it just drives you completely nuts. And so you're always having to sort of mentally refocus and focus and focus. I, I learned, you know, on the second day for me, the key was to make sure that I was staying as hydrated as I could. Um, and so what I ended up doing, and this is another great story, is they give you that they give you these one lot uh, one liter uh, plastic bottles and everyone you know sort of uses them and then they always leave a little bit of backwash in the bottom i didn't want to gross you out but a little backwash you know on the bottom of the bottle so what i would do is you know once i'd get to an aid station i'd sort of jump into the pit of you know recycled bottles and i'd sort of make my own bottle out of all the backwash <laughs> from everybody's bottles oh but that, that 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 I know. And so what I would do with that water is I would use it to sort of, you know, dump it on my neck, on my arms, you know, on on my face to wash off the sand. And it just kept me cool enough that I was able to sort of keep moving forward. And uh, yeah, it's little things like that. You know, you you get into camp every night and you're camping under these, they call them camel tarps. And uh, and so there's no sides. And, you know, the first couple of nights we were dealt, we were hit with these windstorms, these sandstorms, and you wake up in the morning and you're buried in sand, you know, like up to your nose and, you know, you have to wear a mask all night long. And yeah, it's, it's, it was, it was an amazing adventure and, and one that I look forward to taking on again. <laughs> so you want to do this again? I am going to do it again. And my goal, and, you know, and, and it's, it's a, it's a race that's dominated by the locals. Uh, obviously, they have an advantage on on the terrain and you know the heat and all that. It's 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 my goal to go in and and give those local guys a bit of run for their money. There's one runner named Mohammed El Hassad who's who's won the race five times, um, and uh, I got to know him very well in Iceland, and I was able to race and and to beat him in Iceland. And obviously, I had the uh, 
I had the advantage, I think, on the on the weather in, in Iceland. But uh, him and I discussed, you know, me going back to to, to, to Africa, and he said he would he would help me with this, and so um, I look forward to that. You guys have a, a good relationship between these runners. It seems to be like it's a small type of running world, and you guys know each other. Maybe you razz each other a little bit. <laughs> is, is that how it goes? <laughs> Yeah, I, you know, he he Mohammed would call me uh, he would call me Canada with the, with with the snow legs because uh, I was so white in Iceland. But he uh I mean, you know, you you get to know each other. I mean, you're out there for 6 days and you know, you're spending some evenings together and you're sharing, you know, you're sharing a meal together, whatever meal you can get and uh very competitive but very respectful and and um I think that no matter if you're, you know, somebody like myself who, who who claims to be competitive and wants to really perform, or you're somebody just to finish. At the end of the day, 250 kilometers is 250 kilometers, no matter how fast you finish it. And and I think you have to respect that as a as a as a competitor, as somebody who just attempts to finish a race. Otherwise, everyone is miserable, and that's that's not the point of doing these things. So what's going through your mind when you're running these long distances? It's always interesting to me. Like you have these incredibly long stretches where it's just you it's it's you like i think meditation is something that many of us in the least in the west we fear a little bit like being alone is something that is incredibly scary i mean we can tell that easily by how you know how how uh, little time we spend away from our phone or away from social media and and then there's you guys are, are doing this crazy thing putting your body through an enormous amount of stress and you're in large part doing it alone is that correct i'll be honest you know there's nothing like looking at 30 or 40 kilometers of either you know of of in iceland for example of desolate you know sort of um uh volcanic rock you know sort of a desert or in in the sahara looking at you know endless sand dunes to remind you that it's just you yourself you know in your mind and and what i what i always talk about and excuse me what i always try to, to preach to my to my clients is is to think about meditation and motion. And so, you know, what can I do as a, as a runner, a cyclist, or a swimmer? Because a lot of the time, you know, it, it comes down to enjoying what you're doing. And you have to remind yourself, you know, where where are you right now? Are you in, in that sort of lower back pain? Are you in that sand around the sunglasses that's driving you nuts? Or are you looking out at, you know, one of the wonders of the world, you know, in in, in the Detafoss, you know, in, in Iceland, the biggest waterfall in Northern Hemisphere, right? Where are you in the moment? And I think that if, if we sometimes, you know, sort of go back to, to, to thinking about why we're doing this and, and where are you in the moment, it's all, it's, to me, it's, it's really is about being in the moment. And what I try to teach is, again, is meditation and motion. But with that, you know, I will go through a sequence of, of things that I'll think about, right? maybe every five minutes, every six minutes, and I will go through my running form. How am I landing? Is, is, is my foot landing properly? Are my arms swinging the right way? You know, is my head, you know, am I carrying my head down or am I nice enough high? Am I breathing correctly? Am I breathing through my mouth, taking little shallow breaths? Or am I doing, you know, breathing through my nose quite comfortably? Um, you know, is how's my hydration? Am I cramping? Do I feel good? How's my stomach? Am I hungry? I go through all these things in my mind and that keeps me occupied. It also allows me to, to enjoy where I'm at, you know, rather than thinking, oh, I'm at kilometer six of a 75 or a 90 kilometer stage. It's going to take me 10 hours. Don't think that way, right? Small little pieces at a time allows you to sort of, you know, um, think, you know, think smaller to, to, to get bigger. And at the end of the day as well, I always tell my, you know, my clients and the people I work with, you got to enjoy what you're doing. If you're not enjoying it, right? If it's, if it's, if you're anxious about going for your run, if you're angry about getting on the bike, 
then it's, we're probably not doing the right thing. You have to enjoy what you're doing. That's key. And so, I mean, you guys, are, you put yourself through a lot of pain. I mean, there's the mental aspect and then there's the physical aspect of the little things. Like if you're running those long distances, those those little things like you're talking about, like even sand that's bugging you. But we go through blisters, yeah. uh, blisters and other injuries. I mean, that's can be. Is that enjoyable? <laughs> is it enjoyable? Well, I think it's part of the game. You know, I, I, I tell it's funny. I tell my Ironman athletes, you know, uh, it's time to Ironman up. And, you know, and I, I talk, you know, I, I talk to my to my ultra runners, you know, and it, it's it's so, you know, the key thing and, you know, and I don't know if, if this is more of a coaching thing or if it's more just a, a you know, an everyday kind of life thing. But if you're putting in the hard work, if you're putting in the hard work and you're putting in the volume that you're supposed to put in and if you're, you know, coached and if you're training the right way, those little injury and physical things you know the, the, it's part of it and you you learn to cope with it both physically and mentally now that being said you know when i get into the, the finish line of day one in the sahara and i've got 17 blisters and i'm losing five toenails after day one um yeah that's that's a bit much you know that's when you go why am i here and what is you know what is going to happen next i'll tell you a story when i finished the race um flying back to london heathrow i got on a air canada flight back to calgary and as they pressurized the plane some of the infections that i had on my feet uh some of the blisters and sores that i had thanks to the pressure sort of exploded and uh so it's it you know it, it sort of got all over the seat and all over the floor and it, it was it, it it wasn't the most pleasant situation and this poor you know great gentleman uh, who worked for air canada sort of came by and he helped me clean up and you know he gave me a he got me a nice uh, row to myself to fall asleep. And, you know, and at those moments, you kind of go, why am I doing this? Why did I do this? You know, I listen, it's, it's part of the game. And as a, as a, no matter as a 5k athlete or a multi-stage ultra runner, uh, those physical things, you know, when, when you complete an event and when you complete your goal, uh, it's, it, it's part of the game. It's part of the, of, of, of the work. I suppose there's nothing like the appreciation that you have by afterwards after you've completed something like this and you're just like, wow, you know, I, I was able to accomplish this. And like you're saying, whether it's some people never think they could make a, a get through a 5K and other people. It doesn't matter what it is. To me, it's, you know, listen, I, I've had clients who, you know, who, who have just now started to run, right? They, they're running maybe minutes at a time. And they come back to me and say, holy cow, that was hard. I, can't, I, you know, I never thought I'd be able to do that. And you go, but that's, there's just no difference between you know, what I do as a crazy ultra runner or somebody who, who, who runs three minutes. At the end of the day, physically, they're going through the same pain. You know, it, it, I always get this, right? I, one of my specialties as a runner is climbing. I, I tend to, to climb quite well. So you know, I, I can run up a mountain you know, quite easily where people may struggle you know, hiking. But a hill is a hill is a hill. Who, no matter who you are, I'm still struggling going up that hill. I've just developed enough training and volume to get up that hill, you know, faster. But at the end of the day, it doesn't matter what the obstacle is. If you get over the obstacle, that's everything that you, you, you've put in, you know, that reward is huge, whether it's a three-minute run or a 350-kilometer run. Charles, tell me about nutrition. Nutrition is something that I always enjoy talking about. What is nutrition like when you're putting your body through these you know, all this stress and this enormous amount of, you know, pain, really. Specifically for those races, it's extremely difficult to fuel your body. Um, you know, obviously this is, I, I, I can't, I don't have a, an official sort of scientific number, but I would say that on an average, 
you know, I'm burning somewhere between 12 and 16,000 calories a day on one of those, you know, um, in one of those uh, races, I'm only intaking, you know, maybe through, well, let's say maybe three, 3,000, you know, to, let's say 5,000, depending on the meal that I have. So, so the meals that I carry with me, what I use are uh, basically those dehydrated meals that we use for camping. Uh, my lovely wife has figured out a way to make them even smaller and even lighter. So we'll take them out of the packaging and we'll re-vacuum them into smaller sort of meal. And so I will have in the morning, let's say, um, you know, some sort of homemade, you know, oatmeal concoction. I'll throw in some dried fruits, maybe some cocoa nibs, uh, some ginger, some dried ginger, um, you know, and some cocoa um, or some coconut uh, powdered uh, milk in powder form. You know, I'll throw in this sort of this mix of, of everything in the morning. It's about a thousand calories. I'll have that uh, in some water in the morning to, to get me going. And then during the event itself, I do a mixtures of solid and liquid calories, uh, complex carbohydrates, uh, a little bit of fat, some protein. Uh, I use a BCAA, so branched-chain amino acids as well. And so I sort of combine all those things during the day to get me through. I'll try to have anywhere between, let's say, you know, 16, between 14 and 1600 calories uh, of, of training nutrition. And then when I get when I get into camp, uh, I will have my main meal for the day, and that's usually about nine to 800 calories uh, of some sort of dehydrated meal. And so it could be a you know, a fantastic dehydrated lasagna. It could be a dehydrated, you know, chicken marsala or whatever the case may be. Uh, and then, you know, you always bring a little treat. And so my treat could be, let's say, maybe a bag of salted nuts, uh, maybe uh, a dehydrated chocolate mousse. Um, here's a great story. So on the on the long day, the day after the long day in the Sahara, so we had a 90-kilometer stage in which you had 36 hours to complete. And so I took uh, just under 11 hours. I think I was 10 hours and 30 minutes to finish. And so that evening after the long stage to reward myself, um, the organizers uh, of the race, you know, to reward everybody had these uh, flats of, of, of Coke, of can of Coke, Coca-Cola. And uh, so they were, you know, these things were sitting in the sun. They were hot as, you know, everything. And, but, you know, you, you got to finish the long stage. This is one of the rewards that you had. And my wife had also packed me a, a dehydrated chocolate mousse, which was incredibly sweet and maybe too much, you know, sugar. But but after these days, you know, it doesn't matter. And so <clears throat> I sat under the stars um, at about, you know, it's probably 2 a.m. in the middle of Sahara in the sand dunes, watching people finish. Quite the, the picture. Um, what they do in the, in the Sahara at night to, to allow people not to get lost is they set up lasers. So they have trucks with these great big lasers. And so you just, you know, sort of follow the laser through the night. And so as I watched you know, these people with headlamps coming through the night. I enjoyed a really warm can of Coke <laughs> and this dehydrated chocolate mousse. And so, which was, you know, I don't know how many grams of sugar at 2 a.m. I didn't care. I didn't mind. And, you know, and that was my, my, my treat for that day. Nutrition is big. Uh, however, I'll be honest, you know, during, during those races, it's sort of like, you know, survive and whatever calories you can get in. And, and whether you're trading meals, um, the, when I was in the Sahara, the, the, the Japanese, the, the Japanese crew that was there had lots of really uh, amazing foods. And I brought a lot of, you know, sort of sports nutrition bars that I, by the end, I was sort of getting not so comfortable with. And so I did a lot of trading. I would go to the Japanese tent and I would sort of trade, you know, uh, a sports bar for they had these amazing sort of uh, dried uh, seaweed wrap things that I really, really enjoyed. They were really salty and crunchy. And so I did all these amazing trading. Yeah, these races, it 
it really comes down to survival and 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 how many calories can you get down your 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 your, your mouth because it's you know it's it's attrition i mean on average coming home from the sahara i think it was about 20 pounds 22 pounds i lost in those seven days and coming home from iceland it was about 12 to 15 pounds is what i lost what is how long does it take you to recover from one of those well let me put it this way when i came home from the sahara it took me a year and a half to really sort of get my mojo back and to pick my next race which was the iceland race so physically it can take a long time uh i, I think mentally it takes longer but physically i usually you know a week a week and a half i can start to get moving again uh, I used a lot of swimming for my recovery workouts. I like to, you know, as as an endurance athlete, I like to use the gym as as a place of of sort of recovery. And so, you know, whether it's it's lifting light or doing movements that you know an endurance sport, excuse me, is is very linear. And so, going to the gym and doing you know sort of rotational work and and you know working on different aspects of the body, I think is very key. It takes me about let's say maybe a month physically to come back from these races. I think mentally, however, now I, you know, I was in Iceland in September, and here we are in April, and I'm, I don't think I'm still, I would be the same sort of, you know, gung ho, prepped athlete that I was before I left for Iceland. It, it takes a while. I mean, maybe that's just me personally, and I, I, you know, and I talked about this with my athletes all the time. It's, you know, the post-race blues is something that, you know, we have to accept and 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 go with. And for me, it just takes me a little bit longer to maybe find the next thing to to get on. So that the mental, like the mental aspect, the mental recovery, is that from the mental anguish you put yourself through through hours of running, <laughs> or is it? Yeah, I, I, <laughs> or is it more go, the you know the post that we call I call it post goal depression. Yeah, I mean, I think I think it's it's a mix of both. I think it's you know when you, when you know uh, the journey to Iceland, you know, to to go to Iceland and 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 you know to win and to beat you know one of my heroes and Mohammed Al Hassad, who's a world class runner, and to beat him and you know I, when I saw his name on the roster of runners, it was a big you know a big shock. I thought, oh my god, you know, here we go again. This is the Sahara all over again. It's it's a year and a half journey to to get to this race, and so for a year and a half, you're training, you're pushing your mind, your body to the limit. You 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 go to the race. And, you know, for seven days or six days, you're sort of, you know, you're just focused and you're just, you're just pushing and pushing and pushing and you come home and, and all of a sudden you go, you know, what's next? You know, I've, I've, I've sort of, you know, met my goal, met my challenges. Now, what do I do next? And, and I think that, you know, sometimes it's a mistake to think, well, I'll just, you know, I'll just sign up for this race and I'll do this and everything will be all right. It doesn't work that way. The mind doesn't work that way. I think you, you work so hard for a goal that if you don't, you know, if you don't give time just like you would physically, the time for the mind to, to recover. That I think you, you, that this is where people get injured and, and injured and, and 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 sort of get burnt out to the point where they go, I, I'm out of the sport. I have so many clients who tell me, you know, I'm going to do one of these and then that's it. And then you know, when we do it right, they go, no, 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 this is not it. I've got more and more in me, and that's the key. And I think that's important. Charles, tell me more about your business, what you're doing, how people can get a hold of you, or sure. So the business is called Solo Sports Systems. We're on the web at uh, www.solosportsystems.com. Uh, we're on Facebook. We're on Instagram. You can follow us through there. But really, you know, the business is is me. Uh, I've got a few assistant coaches that help me. As well, but really, you know, when you when you buy into solo and when you buy into the business, it's you get me as your coach, and so I'm behind you 100%. I do this because of my clients. I, I do what I do because the people that I work with motivate me to make myself better, and but to, to you know to help them uh, make themselves better. I always talk about you know being a better uh, athlete, but you're not a better athlete without you know being a better person. And so my job and my role is to get you to your goal along the way 
to help you make a lifestyle change that allows you to um, to become a better you. And so, you know, my, my, my tagline for the business is lifestyle and performance coaching. When you have me as your coach, you know, I'm behind you 100%. <clears throat> we do everything from training camps, you know, so if you're looking for an adventure, maybe a trail running camp, you want to give it a shot. Or if you're a seasoned athlete, you know, that's a uh, done many Ironman. We do, we host, you know, we're going to St. George, Utah in a few weeks to do a training camp and, and to do a race down there. So we travel sort of, you know, everywhere we go to Whistler. The website is all, is all there for you guys to check out. And, and um, we're always, you know, taking on new clients and looking forward to new adventures. I should mention as well that whether you're in, you know, Calgary or you're in the UK, Australia or wherever you are, I have clients that I deal with uh, via, you know, social media and, and Skype and FaceTimes and those things on a regular basis as well. All right, that's going to wrap things up for this edition of Exploring Mind and Body. As always, thank you so much for being here. Thanks for being a part of our True Form Life community through your downloads, shares, reviews, everything that you do to contribute to the show. We certainly wouldn't be here without you. Thanks so much to Charles for coming on and sharing his story with us, his expertise, his all his experiences that's incredible to push your body and mind to, to those type of limits and i love his approach as well i mean i think that he said doesn't matter if you're running a 5k a 10k wherever you're at we're all at the same level we all go through the same amount of pain so if you need some help with that check out charles i'm sure he has a lot of things going on that could certainly help you out if you want more details as to what we have going on head over to trueformlife.com this is where we put together meal planning for you for at home fitness routines and support we also have a free 10-day fitness challenge to help you get going in the right direction check out our free app exploringmindandbody.com slash emb app or that's on any apple device all these past shows are going up on exploringmindandbody.com once again thank you so much for being here that's it that's all i got i'm out of here as always i'm your host Drew Taddy in health and fitness for a better world. Thanks for listening. You've been listening to Exploring Mind and Body with True Form Life's Drew Tadia, fitness expert. To find out more about the show, Drew Tadia, or to listen to past shows, visit exploringmindandbody.com.